Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Diz Explorers podcast, where each week we explore different aspects of Disney culture, the Walt Disney Parks, the cruise line, resorts, entertainment, movies, music, and any other entity of the company that we feel like talking about each week. And this being our 10th episode, it's pretty excited for all of us who are, I believe are a group of all first podcasters, and so I'm very proud and honored to be part of this with all these fine people and glad that we're on our 10th episode and hope to be doing this again on our 100th episode. So tonight, we almost have a full crew. We've got Melanie back with us. Hey. And we have Jessica over on the West Coast. Hello. And we've got Milford. Hello. And we have Adrian. Hey, everyone. All right. So tonight we've got a couple topics we're going to explore. Uh, we're going to, Melanie was on a recent trip with her family up to Bush Gardens and Williamsburg, Virginia. So she's going to speak about that a little bit and some of the differences and similarities to the Disney parks. And then we're going to touch on some of the food and wine menus and the entertainment lineup and go around the horn, speak about some of our favorite things and stuff we'd like to try and that haven't tried or would completely stay away from. And then uh, towards the end, Jessica has a nice segment that she did on her blog about sort of like drinking around the world, but the Disneyland version of it. So she's going to inform us all about that over at California Adventure. And then us East Coasters will chime in with what our version is and so there should be chock full of information and drinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I will uh, I'll turn it over to Mel and see what's oh, happening my. up in Virginia. Well, before I even get to Virginia, let me say, working with you guys over the last few months has been phenomenal. This team, this is a great team to be a part of. I, I've, I've enjoyed every week of it. Here, here, me too. Oh, I'm, I'm, we feel I can't believe we're on the tenth episode. That's amazing. I'm excited. If we had video, I'm raising my drink to you all. <laughs> Rum and coke. Rum and uh, coke. Ginger ale and coke. Ginger ale. Ginger ale. Okay, that's good enough. But yeah, we did. Our my family took a trip to Williamsburg, Virginia last week. My husband's on sabbatical right now. He's been with his company for I want to say about twelve years now. So he is on a month long sabbatical. And because of scheduling, some of the things we wanted to do were changed. So we ended up spending a week in Williamsburg. We had we lived in Virginia when we were first married when he was in the Navy. So this is almost like a return homecoming sort of trip for us. We um, spent some time at Bush Gardens and at Water Country, of course, because we enjoy theme parks and just having a great time. But we also did take the time to go over to the national parks for um, – for Jamestown, for the Jamestown Colony, into the Yorktown battlefields. We also spent some time in Colonial Williamsburg, so it was a well-rounded vacation. We actually went and were reunited with some friends that we met on the Disney Fantasy back in 2014, and spent several times throughout the week with them. They had their regular work week schedule going on, but we did meet up with them several times throughout the week. But it was really fun, and whenever a Disney enthusiast goes to another theme park the comparisons 
they they just you can't stop them. <laughs> it, it comes unbidden. There's nothing you can do. You go, ooh, Disney's not like that, or ooh, <laughs> Disney does this better. And then occasionally, and I will say my list is concise, but occasionally you'll see things that you know Bush Gardens does better that you're wondering why doesn't Disney do this? I'm a Disney girl through and through, and I I think that the theming and the overall storytelling and the, the immersion in the storytelling at Disney is heads and shoulders above Bush Gardens, but that doesn't mean I don't love Bush Gardens and everything that it is. So one thing you need to know about Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, unlike in Tampa where everything is African safari themed in Virginia, it's all old country. It's European. So there's sections for Italy and Germany is by and large the bulk of it because this was Bush Garden started by the Bush family, which was a brewery. So it makes sense that the German area almost takes up, I would say, a quarter of the park. But there's the British Isles are represented. It's very European. And the first thing on my list is in its first because it's the first thing in your day is when you park, you have and for most of the parking lots, you need to take a tram to get to the ticket center. People who are familiar with traveling and making day trips to Magic Kingdom are familiar with this concept. You take you park, you take a tram. And I have, since I don't take day trips to Magic Kingdom any longer, we usually stay on site for days at a time, if not weeks. But <laughs> the first thing I notice is that when you approach the trams, there are two sections of waiting. But there are three sections of trams. So the trams come in three-card trains, so to speak. The front two cars are for pedestrians and walkers. The back segment is specifically for strollers. If you have a stroller, you're going in that compartment. That is for you. It's great for stroller people because that's what I've deemed them now that now that I have teenagers. (laughs) There are stroller people and there are walking people. I'm the the stroller stroller people and this sounds amazing. (laughs) The stroller people, you have space to fold your stroller. For pedestrians, we don't have two-year-olds who are climbing on us. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm becoming a a cranky old lady. I know this. (laughs) But the stroller people... They're all happy, and they have time and space to fold those huge things. They are just getting bigger. Strollers are not getting smaller, y'all. No, they're so, not. <laughs> and even and small I, ones are a pain in the butt to fold. Oh, my goodness. No, no. So the stroller people have their very end section of the tram. And once it. that section is full of stroller people, they have to wait on the next one. But considering <laughs> it was summertime, <laughs> even the pedestrian sections were full. So, but. You don't have to deal with somebody's folded stroller bumping up into you and, you know, not since they have to have it folded, then they've got their diaper bag and then their kid. And how many hands do they have? <laughs> not very many. So I, I did like how the, it was very organized. So it kept the flow going. I, and even the stroller people like that. So because nobody wants to wait on a tram mm-hmm. and the trams, it, it's not like there's a waiting time. I and mean, these trams went back to back. As soon as one was gone, the next one was loading. I mean, these were. They were rolling. I loved it. So the trams at Bush Gardens, I get, and we talked about this before the broadcast in the when the, we first started the call, but they can do this because of the scale. Bush Gardens is a smaller park. It's not obviously dealing with the number of travelers that a Magic Kingdom is. So it's one of those things that smaller park, 
perfect solution. Stroller people in their places. I liked it. <laughs> Number two. Okay. This today we're recording. It's July 18th. Last week, Virginia felt like Florida. If you've never been to the Williamsburg area, it is swampy. If you did not know that Virginia had swamps, let me tell you, it has swamps and marshes <laughs> and it's humid as <laughs> I'll get. It is like Florida of the mid-Atlantic. <laughs> and I felt right at home, even though I live in North Carolina now. It's kind of swampy here sometimes too. But <laughs> I grew up in Florida and it made me, it reminded me of being in Florida. It was hot. But when you are at Bush Gardens, when you walk to into a building, whether it's a snack building, snack shack, restaurant, gift shop, when you walk into the building, you are greeted with a loving, vicious blast of cold air. <laughs> These air conditioning blower things are magnificent. You are so overheated because of temperatures that i just stood under those things they they should you know have a fast pass line just to stand under them they were wonderful <laughs> oh you were like if i was waiting on a kid to get off of a roller coaster i would just stand underneath those things it was, i loved it <laughs> i'm like why do they not have these in florida of all places if they have them in virginia they can certainly implement some kind of blowing device it's Obviously, air-conditioned once you walk into the shop or to the restaurant, but just that transition because you're, you're just overheated, and that transition is just so wonderful, and it beckons you in to go spend money on food or gifts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that would entice people to go inside more. But yes, no, those, those air conditioners, loved them. Number three. It, it, I keep hearing about this more and more of being a problem at the Disney parks. Line, line jumping. People who go, oh, my mom's up there or my party's up there. And they're, you know, line skippers. I keep hearing about that being a recurring theme this year. Bush Gardens has lovely signs. And I will read you word for word what they say. And, and you can find these on all basically e-ticket equivalent so all of your major roller coasters are going to have these signs throughout them it says cutting in line is cause for dismissal from the park without a refund perfect they make no bones about it if you are caught skipping in line they will just escort you out goodbye do they enforce it we never saw it at all it was not an issue no one wow. ever tried to skip in line not once now were the <laughs> Are the lines the same caliber for the e-ticket rides as as the Disney rides? Sure not. The longest we ever waited on anything was about 20 minutes. Sometimes we would walk on even in July. Like I said, this, the crowds make this an easier to enforce policy, meaning the team members can easily see all the guests in line. Right. And, and it's probably... And the signs in and of themselves remind people that skipping's not cool. Where at least if they could put a sign up in the line that could discourage the skipping at the Disney parks, even if it's tougher to enforce because of the length of some of the lines, at least the reminder like, um, hey, this is not a good idea, y'all. And maybe put it, you know, where teenagers can see it through their, maybe put it in the app. Yeah. Like, oh, you're in line. Set it as their home screen. 
<laughs> but I saw that and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> this is wonderful. Number four, this one's for my kids. And uh, Disney's not going to change this no matter what because they're, they're just not. It's just the number of thrill rides, the number of roller coasters. My kids have kind of started, t- they're at that age where they're tuning out of the parks and going more for the cruise line because on the cruise lines, they can be autonomous and I give them their freedom because it's a contained environment and they enjoy that. But at the parks, they're like three thrill rides tops. Teenagers need to get their adrenaline on. That's just what they like. Then, you know, there's Universal for that. There's you know, your Kings Island, Kings Dominions, Carowinds, and your Bush Gardens for the thrill rides. But it, it's a demographic that Disney's losing out on. Because teenagers and young adults want roller coasters. And I I just think it's something that's missing. It's something that could be included in the Disney family. That they could find a way to have a roller coaster heavy park that still embodied all of the Disney storytelling that is so rich in the other parks. I don't think that you have to pick one over the other, but it seems as though Disney has chosen one mantra of parks and totally shunned a park that would have, you know, six or seven coasters that, that young adults would really, really enjoy, you know, and we're talking young adults who are spending mom and dad's money. (laughs) (laughs) And my kids are like, ah, let's just go to Bush Gardens which is, you know, only three and a half hours from my house versus the 10 hours door to door. If if I drive instead of fly, it's 10 hours door to door from my house to Disney world. So it, and we also have a Carowinds nearby and a King's dominion nearby. All of those are within three to four hours. So we have three parks within three to four hours of our house, all of them roller coaster heavy where we can go spend our money. And I enjoy Disney and my husband enjoys Disney World for different reasons. We're not exactly adrenaline junkies at this point in our life. In fact, I think we would like to ride roller coasters more than our aging bodies will allow. <laughs> I'm good for, I can do two coasters a day. That That's about all I my vertigo will handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made the mistake one time of riding Mission Space about an hour before I had a La Cellier reservation. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Big mistake (laughs) oh well it ended up okay in the end but still i can only handle so many but it's a demographic that i i think disney has consciously chosen to ignore for better or for worse for whatever reason i i I don't know what it is but the, the teenagers and the young adults i feel your pain i understand why they don't why they think that they they're too old for disney it hurts me to ever say that, but that's kind of where my, my, especially my boys, it's kind of where they are. They're teenage boys. They want coasters. They want 90 degree drops and G forces and all that stuff. And they want more than two or three of them a day. So that that's something that in Bush Gardens, the coasters are very well themed. It's not like they just stuck a coaster up there and gave it a crazy name that there's the Griffin, which is fantastic over in France. And, for Bolton in the German area, it, it, they're they're wonderfully themed coasters. So it, it's something if Busch Gardens can do it and tell a story, I know Disney can. 
Finally. Are, Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, are they all outdoor coasters? Abs- um, they have, most of them are, um, Verbolt does go indoors for a portion of it. Right. Um, but none of them I are do. fully encompassed. None like of them are fully encompassed like a Space Mountain. Like now. Rock and Roller Coaster or Space Mountain. Okay. No, they have a version of Soren which is not as good, and the, the visuals aren't as HD. Like I said, Disney, you know, for me saying that Busch Gardens does things better, Disney does so many more things so much better. And the Soren films are one of them. I mean, the I can't remember. It's like the flight over Europe is some, something like that. It, it's basically the same principle as Soren, but you're in Europe instead. And there's no HD, so everything seems to be out of focus. <laughs> Vertigo's coming. I'm like looking off to the side to the fans that kind of blow in your hair to make you feel like you're flying. I'm looking off to the side because the vertigo is getting me. <laughs> The like. theater itself moves very well. The motion of the theater is very good, but the quality of the visuals is not there. So yeah. that, that's the side. The final thing that I love, and I don't know why, it's not a crowd control thing. When you are at the quick service locations, there are a number of quick service locations where guests can serve their own sodas. Like they have like a soda fountain. And here, kind of like when you go into a fast food restaurant, you can pour your own soda. They have soda fountains for the guests to just go up and make your soda. And, of course, the ice water is free because it's – I don't know if it's a law there or anything. But the ice water at the fountains are free for guests. And let me tell you how many of those we had last week because it was so hot. Hmm. But kept the lines going. We never had an issue with waiting for too long in a quick service line. Because for the most part, uh, with the locations that had these fountains, it's self-serve. You go, you th- there's a flow to it, and it keeps the line moving. We're not waiting on a team member to serve us. But all of these locations, it also made it easy to stay hydrated. And when you're dealing with Florida temperatures or the Virginia swamp, staying hydrated is key, y'all. Now, there was one thing, and I don't know, somebody, maybe in Epcot or somebody can tell me, do they have, like, the fresh-squeezed lemonade stands anywhere on Disney property? Not to my knowledge, but I'm not a big lemonade person, so I don't wouldn't go searching for them. I am a huge lemonade person, and when we <laughs> – it was killer when we went to the um, – it wasn't to the All-Star Game last year that was in Cincinnati, but the stadium had just been remodeled because the All-Star Game was going to be held there last year. I searched every deck of that place for a, a fresh-squeezed lemonade stand. Nowhere to be found. There is one in Bush Gardens where she you, – you, seriously, you watch her squeeze the lemons right into your cup. Oh, wow. or Or mash the strawberries right into your drink. It's not, there's no alcohol at this particular stand, so it is a non-alcoholic stand, but it was wonderful. <laughs> you watch, and it was fun, and she, you talk to her, and she would tell you, you know, this, that, and that's going on, and she's making your drink. It's almost its own little mini attraction, which I love. And finally, and this has nothing to do with Disney versus Busch Gardens, but while we were there, we were, we did get to see the celebration of the Fest House turning 40. The Fest House is the big eatery celebration center of the Oktoberfest area. It turned 40 last week while we were there. So we 
every all the guests enjoyed cake and one of the park directors was there speaking about the building itself and then we went in and we saw the show and had some more we didn't have beer that day it was, it was i i don't even know how i say this with a straight face it was too hot to drink <laughs> alcohol i can't <laughs> it under, was just, i don't understand that i know right <laughs> it was too hot for alcohol last week you just you were constantly drinking water all day long but as long as you paced yourself it was fine but i digress the celebrating you know a milestone in the park the day that it happens obviously since this week was disneyland's 61st birthday i mean when you get to celebrate that milestone in the park it's always fun but we did we enjoyed our week like i said i'm still a disney girl through and through but i'm a theme park lover so if you love theme parks you love theme parks and and you can't help but make those comparisons there's there's just no avoiding it (laughs) nope and yep. I did get to see where Pocahontas and John Roth were married. So that was fun, too. <laughs> it's semi-disrelated history. <laughs> but, so that that was a lot of fun. And I liked the write-up that you guys put on the blog. That was nice. I'll have to make sure I put on Facebook the pictures of the no-skipping signs. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, I have a couple of pictures of those lemonades, too. I'll have to put those up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Was there a garbage can every 30 feet? No, ah. <laughs> there was not. In fact, a couple of times I had to go in search of one. They, they are everywhere. It's not as <laughs> prevalent as Walt Disney World and they don't talk back to you. <laughs> but <laughs> There are plenty of trash cans around, but it, it, they're not as they're just trash cans. <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily themed trash cans. Um, but yeah, hmm. so it's. It, it was a good week. Cool. Sounds like a lot of fun. I just want to say one thing just on the roller coaster thing. I I understand that train of thought. I'm fine. I'm not a roller coaster junkie. I never was growing up. I don't – I mean I, the ones that – Disney World, I believe most people probably don't even consider roller coasters except maybe – Rock and roller coaster because it does have an inversion and it's probably the fastest one, but you know, they're about all I can handle. Uh, and only just because only because just of a, a motion sickness thing with my stomach. Otherwise I wouldn't mind. I couldn't drum myself up to try Hulk when we went to universal, when that opened up, my brother <gasps> mm-hmm. did, my brother did. And when he got off, he was screaming and yelling at my wife and his then to be, wife because they'd made him go on it and uh and he's kind of like me just all we can handle it's all my father's fault he can't even go on a carousel anymore but uh (laughs) so i i understand i i I don't think that they're i don't necessarily agree that they've left out that demographic on purpose i just think that wasn't their sole purpose to make thrill rides i think they've adapted to it absolutely but i think those like those other parks six flags bush gardens that's their main draw that's all they have. Yeah. I mean, yes, they do have theming, but you're not going there for the theming. You're going there to get your kicks for a day and Absolutely. and get blasted around on all these, you know, wait in line for five hours for Batman and it's a 45-second ride or whatever right. it was so many years ago when everybody was talking about or whatever any of them are. I've never been to any of those things. Right. Um, and I don't really have a desire to either. But th- So that's my take on it. I know I'm in the minority. Even as a kid and a teenager – 
I, my geekdom just overtook everything, and I just I just wanted to be in the park taking it all in, whether I was on the People Mover or Space Mountain. And I didn't write. I space, love the People Mover. <laughs> I didn't write Space Mountain until I was probably close to high school age because my parents just couldn't go on it. My mother had had back surgery, and my father got right. severe. So until my brother and I were brave enough to go on it by ourselves, that's when we <laughs> went on it. And I'm pretty sure we were close to high school age. I was probably 14. The first, Thunder Mountain was a different story. Loved that ride, and my father will. Right. Bra- my father will go on that one once, and he likes Splash Mountain, but he can't do any of the other stuff. So no, that's a good point, though. <laughs> I'm I think about like in the '70s, Disneyland in particular had a huge debate about this when other theme parks really started showing up. Do we want to add roller coasters? Is right. that who we are? And it was almost like they had an identity crisis. And I think part of the reason they were so hesitant is because. Walt kind of envisioned a park where everybody could have fun, and I think they were worried about people that aren't into roller coasters, if that's what Disneyland became, you know, are Mm -hmm. they losing that part of the audience? So I think they've always kind of tried to balance between having thrill rides and non-thrill rides, Mm -hmm. but now that there's so much competition with so many bigger, more dramatic things, they might have to reevaluate what that balance is, and maybe they need to swing a little bit more toward the thrills. And I think that in a resort, especially the size of Walt Disney World, where there's already the four parks plus two water parks, there's room for a a park that does encompass more thrill rides that will draw the teenagers. Because as, you know, it is, it's not including everybody because those teenagers want those thrills. I live it. They're like, okay, we're going to go from Splash Mountain to Space Mountain back to Splash Mountain the Thunder Mountain, and that's, they, they do that circuit because that's what excites them. That's what gets yeah. them, you know, th- that's what they enjoy. And as a parent, you are going to these parks so that your whole family can enjoy them. And if that's what the kids enjoy, that's where you want to go. And that's where the Disney parks right now kind of are at a disadvantage where, you know, where it's Rock and Roller Coaster, California Scream, and my kids love those. But when they're done or they've ridden it three or four times, they're done. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, now what? And it, it's it's lacking. It, it's one thing in the Disney portfolio that I think if anybody could do it and do it well, it's Disney. And they haven't yet. Doesn't mean they never will. I know for years people were salivating over the Villains Park rumor. That, of course, never came to fruition. <laughs> but... I think as soon as they are done revamping and updating the four parks, I know everyone ever in Orlando is probably construction weary at this point. They're tired of the construction and all of the updates to the current parks. Once all of that is complete, I think it would make sense to move construction to a new site somewhere else for the guests to go because I, I think that would bring in the visitors. I think that's where the growth is. Yeah. And obviously with staggering with stagnant numbers, Disney needs to do something for growth. And I think Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land will will address a little bit of growth. I'm not sure yet until those new movies come out if Pandora Land's really gonna be a big draw. That movie came out a decade ago. Right. And as intrigued as I am and as visually compelling as a Pandora Land would be for me. We need some new story or some sort of refresh for that to be a draw. 
Right. Well, and, so, and for it to have some sort of staying power. Like, is it going to be something that when people go there, they go on whatever the, because I've not seen the movie, so I don't know much about it. It's, uh-huh. is it just going to be that flying creature it's ride dances thing? dances with wolves with blue people. Right. <laughs> right but I'm saying the, 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 if you know the dances with wolves plot, <laughs> put blue people in there gotcha. and, and that's, that's it. Um, and the haunted. So, yes, and Pocahontas. Uh, a little bit of Pocahontas too, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is the attractions that they're building are they just going to be like a one and done thing? Like people aren't going to go and make that mm-hmm. part of the park a good part of the day, a good part of the day, or a quarter of the day. I'm sure it's you know it's just a section. Or of Or is Animal it going to be like dinosaur, where you just go to dinosaur and you just keep on going through the Nemo? Yes, um, <laughs> you, you keep walking through. Yeah, unless you can play whack a mole. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never understood that carnivaly section of Animal Kingdom. It, yeah, I don't know. It yet. doesn't speak to me. I think maybe I'm just out of the age for it. But oh, thank yeah. you for saying that because when I went, I could not figure out what on earth I was missing. I kept thinking like this doesn't make any sense with the rest of the park. No, yeah, it, I never it understood it. Does either. not make sense. And my kids are it's like my a kids are the age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like. I my kids like the little whirly world rides, so we always get stuck there for a little bit longer. And I hate saying that when you're at Disney Park, like I'm stuck here. <laughs> like, yeah. What am I gonna do? Well, like Once mine. you're done. Although uh, right over there at Dino Bites is the only place in the park to get churros. So yep, you know, get your churros and let your kids ride the whirly rides. And well, they <laughs> and like to go. On. They like to go digging in the uh, boneyard. To my yep. team because there's you know there's they're, they're young smaller. still but right exactly so I said my kids aren't we're not there at that age group so but if it wasn't for that I probably wouldn't even walk over to that section of the park yeah if it wasn't for dinosaur we would probably skip it as well we would cut do the shortcut straight to Nemo yeah <laughs> oh goodness definitely definitely all right well that's good that's very good it was in depth I like that there was I think I pretty much agree with everything. You know, you you were said and and pointed out the subtle differences. I mean, the the line thing, even the line skipping, even, yeah, even the line skipping thing. I think they could do something like that, even if they didn't want to post a sign, because then it's there's a sign, then you got to have somebody else there to enforce it. If there was some sort of, um, almost like a like a line holding thing, like if if like. Because it happens, you get in well, line. Kids got to go to the bathroom. Maybe there's a team member there, or a team member, a cast member that right. can give you like a, a bracelet or a blue thing that 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 you hold and say, "All right, right. And give the other half of the party that's got to run the kid to the and bathroom." And a ride like Dumbo, that, and, that's with an open queue, that would work. Well, they have um, the actually in Dumbo, they have it because they give you the pagers and they send you into exactly, the playground. It's open queue, right? Right. So one thing that they could do, and I'm not sure about the stepping out for bathroom emergencies but they could have one cast member at the end of the line and as each guest comes the cast member you know can let the next guest up where at least they're monitoring so that you're not pushing ahead now once you get out of that cast member's line of sight that becomes a little more complicated but right but then you'll have more you'll have more people paying attention and the people in line will know who came behind them and know that right you know, all right, there's no, I didn't see anybody walk back this way out of line to go do something. Right. So why should they be coming back through? You know, some of the older rides with mm-hmm. just the chains back and forth, like and Small World and stuff. And that's how right. Right. The queues at Bush Gardens are all open chain queues. It's not you, – you can see through them and the lines, like I said, are not what they are at Magic Kingdom or 
Hollywood studios there, there, they were like I said, 20 minutes tops. Sometimes we were walking right on. So you could easily see the movement through the queue and nobody was going to disrupt that flow. Right. Um, but I will say Disney smarts did come in handy at the baggage security point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, people would corral onto one side and I got stuck in a side. There was an electronic wheelchair that didn't need, they thought that he needed to go through the security checkpoint and it turned out he didn't. And there was like a blockage there where he was maneuvering his chair to the other side. I'm not saying I'm taking advantage here, but it corralled everyone else into another part of the queue and it made hopping over the line very easy. I'm like, why are we all stuck over here now? Because he had already maneuvered away and around, but everybody had kind of corralled over to the right. Right. Because they were giving him room to maneuver his chair through, which was, um, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. But everybody ended up in the right queue, which left the left queue open. And I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> I'm going straight to the left queue now that it's cleared. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not skipping it. I'm not skipping anybody because it was wide open. Right. So there's sometimes when you're maneuvering training, when you're, you've been trained yourself to maneuver through heavy crowds at Disney World, sometimes that comes in handy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am not waiting in this tight, Crowd, you know, there's one security guard checking every bag at this table, and there's nobody in the left-hand side now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, if it was only that easy nowadays there. Oh, goodness. Cool. All right, so moving on. The food and wine menus have been out for probably about two weeks now on various information sites. Take your pick of which one you would like. I believe they're out on Disney's official site as well. I had seen mine the first time through WDW Magic just because I have their handy-dandy app and it's easy to just click on that. So I don't know if this is something that excites you guys or are you adventurous eaters? Do you just stick to the things you know? Do you use it to try new things? You know, because it is snack portion even though they're you know, anywhere between 7 and $9 for a snack. So it does get expensive when you try to keep trying things. But so just was wondering your thoughts on on the whole food and wine thing and if, if it's something you look forward to, you know, make special trips down for it, or if it's something you avoid. <laughs> <laughs> we have actually only been down for food and wine once, and that was last September. And didn't realize when we because it was a last minute trip like we decided on a Wednesday to leave on a Thursday we didn't realize it was the first night oh. and it was <laughs> it was awful yes. like we didn't we didn't get any food we just kind of looked walked as people were you know standing at their little tables eating and drinking and um, I thought oh that looks good but I have no patience for these lines <laughs> for anything so we just went our little happy selves over to Via Napoli and had some pizza and you know we were happy uh -huh. there but <laughs> but looking at the menus like I would totally love to do this <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not an adventurous eater, not really, but it all, all the names just sound so good. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah, I was, yeah, definitely. I, I was searching through for one particular item and I don't know if it was on the menu last year or not. We, we missed last year, but the year before there was, and I don't know how they do it, but in the Scotland booth, there was vegetarian haggis. 
Yeah. I'm oh. delighted to see that it is not on the menu. <laughs> it no. was strange. Okay, how does it end up? It, I know, right? You know, yeah, it, it doesn't hit. Yeah, you probably don't want to know. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, what's in a hot dog? You don't want to know. Um, don't want to know. Same <laughs> thing with haggis. But it's, you know, I'm I'm guessing it did not go over well because now there's a nice lamb stew. Lamb stew, yeah. Yes. And the potato pancake with the smoked salmon. That looks wonderful. And, yeah. and I do love the name, the Tipsy Laird. Yeah. Which is the whiskey-soaked cake. With the lemon cream and toasted yep. oats. Very Scottish. I love all that. So I'll just uh, skip right to that. So the Scott in me is um is happy. I think that'll be an interesting one. Definitely. Well, I, I can give full reports because when our trip is, we'll be there the op- the Sunday of the opening weekend, which I will be nowhere near Epcot on that Sunday. So Ew. Because... That whole weekend will just the place will be full of locals and bloggers and everybody under the sun to take pictures and periscope and everything else. So I'll go during the I'll go during the week because we're there all week when it's not as speak nutty so harshly and, of us. And meet mo- <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Those darn podcasters and bloggers they take pictures I'll, I'll, of everything. <laughs> Believe me, I'll, I'm lumping myself into that because that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. We say that with love. It's all in a matter of research. Yeah, but I don't need to be the first one there. No, no, no. I appreciate those people, but I don't need to be there. And believe me, because I'll be the nut on the 14th looking for all that stuff when I get home from work. Well, let me see. What does it look like? How is it? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm – I guess I'm an adventurous eater. I don't go looking for weird. So I'm not like Andrew Zimmern weird, but oh, yeah. I'll I'll try most anything on. I think the only place, I, the only culinary stuff I don't like is French food. For some reason, I just don't like any French food. None of it appeals to me. I don't like any of it. So I just stay away from all that. But there's really not much at every one of these things that I probably wouldn't, at least one thing on every menu that I would not try. I'm definitely more adventurous with the food than the than the beers that they offer. I'm extremely picky with my beer. I'm not a craft beer person, although I've tried many a times. I mean, there's certain ones I like, but I don't I don't like overly strong, hoppy, and bitter beer. So that that knocks about ninety nine percent of craft beers out of <laughs> out of the way, which I'm fine with. I don't, you know, whatever. I'm you can call me a rum snob because I'm picky with um, you know, I much <laughs> I have much more knowledge. Brent's of... menu looks pretty innocuous this year. I just like saying Bouf Bourguignon. You see that movie, Julia and me? Yeah, I mean the only th- <laughs> the only thing I don't see on here, which I know they've had in previous years, and I guess maybe they don't consider it a kiosk, but. It was. Uh, I'm not sure if it was called the. Pi- it was called the Pineapple Promenade when you came. If you headed mm-hmm. head towards Canada, right in the in the uh, Showcase Plaza, there it was the the booth on the right where they served the Dole Whips with the with the with the either rum. spiced rum or the local rums. I don't see that on any of these menus th- uh, on this particular site. I'm looking at WDW Magic now. I'm assuming it's still going to be there, but they don't have anything listed for it on here. So I don't know. That's very disappointing. <laughs> Let me see. Um, Disney Food Blog has things in alphabetical order. Yeah, she's yeah. probably got it much easier to look for. But you know, the the Greek stuff looks good. You know, like me some gyros with tzatziki sauce and stuff. So you know, 
the Hawaii booth. Last time, I've been down there quite a few times for when the festival's been going on, with and without kids, just because it seems spiky, that... What, spicy tuna pokey. <sighs> yeah. Mm. Well, in the Kahlua, the pork slider with sweet and sour dole pineapple. I bet there's a Pokemon mayonnaise. Go there. There's a who? I bet there's a Pokemon Go there. <laughs> oh, no. No Pokemon Go... <laughs> Pokemon Go be- people better stay Spicy away from tuna me. Pokey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it because we'll be down there without our kids. And, you know, my awesome. wife's not a super, super adventurous eater. So, but I'll drag her around and and stuff my face. <laughs> and for the vegetarians, Greece does have a vegan loaded Greek nacho. Yes. That, yep, th- there's that. usually a good selection for you know, different dietary yeah. needs. And, and they're pretty Definitely. good at marking the menu boards and the, and the smaller menu passport things as to what right. is included in them. I am glad to see that my <clears throat> native country, which is Italy, has changed their menu a little bit because it used to just be like that tortellini thing and that was it and like uh, some sort of pasta or some sort. So this year it seems we've got a big CD and chicken parmesan thing, and then a uh-huh. uh, like a stew with the carrots and mushrooms and the polenta, which is probably very good. So I'm interested to to try that because usually it's just it's been usually just run of the mill your basic Italian food that everybody comfort Italian food if you would. So right. I'm I'm glad to see they're showing more specialty stuff because to me that stuff I mean I love pasta and meatballs but I also like some of the better dishes as well so I think in those work better for snack size things that you're going to grab and walk around with I mean you don't you know finger food is key with this stuff I mean some of it may come with a fork but I don't tend to use it (laughs) it's very finger food friendly and I'm glad the uh the barbacoa enchiladas are back in Mexico because those were fantastic, and I think I had a crap ton of those last time I was there. <laughs> so, I don't know. Lots of good stuff. I mean, I could, yeah. I could go through the whole thing. It's a good thing World Showcase is so large, and you get to walk it off in between so you can pace yourself. Yeah. It's large, but it's it doesn't seem as large when this is going on. Same it thing never does. Flower and Garden is because it... It gets packed. I mean, you never see that place busier than than when food and wine is going on. I mean, it really, really is. Does does definitely pull the people in. I mean, people coming from out of state like myself, and I know it's a huge local draw for people to go in there, like after work and stuff. So, right, it, and especially on the weekends, if you can avoid the weekends. Oh, definitely, definitely, and if Crystal's our local, our local gal, and. I would have loved to hear her take on it, so maybe we'll have to. We'll, we'll revisit. Have her. We'll revisit maybe after the festival's open and after I get back, and or even in the build-up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, can't talk about food too much, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, how about some of the entertainment things? Has anybody been down there to see any of the Eat the Beat concerts? Have gone down specifically for certain acts or anything along those lines? I have to say, I've never been. None of the acts have ever appealed to me in that way. Like, if I'm there and I catch it, great. But none of them have been, obviously, you're not, they're, they're not always the most current. But, no. but they're good. So they're, they're good quality. It's just, they're, they're not 
if, if I happen to catch them, then they're great. But yeah, I, I'd I'd say the same thing. I would say sometimes I, more the chefs and the um, breweries or the distillery, the the speakers are more of a draw for me. Yeah, I've never gone to do any of that, so I'm looking forward to doing that this year. And actually, I had seen they finally released uh, booking dates for all those special events that are happening. I think the Festival Center ones you don't need to sign up for. I didn't read the whole thing. I just found the information I needed, which was I wanted, I'm going to sign myself up for the, hopefully at least, the Trader Sam. They've, they're doing things at four of the resorts in conjunction with that's smart the the food and wine yeah i i i don't have the information for all of them i should have uh the only one i was really wor- uh, concerned about was the trader sam's one they're doing like a mixology behind the scenes uh-huh. thing for for 2 hours over at trader sam's before it opens uh but it's only four dates and one of them happens to be a date when i will be there okay so i'm very excited about that and Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. for Disney Chase Visa card holders is a is like a a pre uh, pre reservation thing. So I can call tomorrow at 7 a.m. It opens up for everybody else on the 21st. So I've already let work know I am probably going to be late, and because I will be calling at 7 in the morning so I can get in there because it's a limit. I mean, Trader Sam's is small and it's limited capacity. It said so. I need to get in there. Because that would be awesome. Because otherwise, it's something you can't do with your children. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. So that that's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully, I get lucky on that. And then Wednesday morning, I will be up at midnight because then that's when I have to book my fast passes. <laughs> so, right, a lot of a lot of late nights for me this week. <laughs> Absolutely, but they're worth it. Let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was one at the Grand Floridian. I don't know if it was something at Victorian Alberts, which I don't know why they would do it there. So I'm I'm just guessing because I don't have it up in front of me right now. Yeah, it was Chef Hunnell, and it's six hundred dollars a person. Oh, there you go. That's why I breezed right by it. Yeah, the Trader Sam's thing is a hundred bucks. I can handle that. <laughs> right. Show me how to make some tiki drinks, and I believe you get to make your own drink too, or one of their drinks. But I do believe they let you—it's hands-on, which is awesome. And I believe a drink or two comes with the price. So to me, that's well worth the price of admissions to kind of have the bar to yourself. And and I love that stuff. I, I enjoy making drinks at home and and the whole tiki thing. So uh, it's right up my alley. When we and were... they're also do, they're also do. I'm sorry, let me okay. cut you off. They're also doing a mixology class, which Milford sent me that email, which I didn't. Uh, know anything about that that second email you sent me uh, today I believe I didn't realize they were doing any of that in the festival center those mixology classes and I think that's just a general mixology class but still cool yeah when we were there two years ago we were there the last day of the festival we were at the last mixology class and it was for um, a moonshine distillery in Asheville, North Carolina, called Troy and Son. Oh, nice. And she, Troy, is actually a woman, and she is a fantastic storyteller and told us a story of her family and the distillery itself. She was even on an episode of Moonshiners, if you're into reality TV. And she brought, you know, she told the story of Moonshine because Moonshine's not something that everyone even thinks about, I mean, you think of rum and vodka, but moonshine, unless you're living in the mountains of North Carolina, 
Um, <laughs> moonshine is not something that's really on your everyday list. And that's what food and wine does is it brings you into something that's out of your comfort zone. And they're like, and then it, she's presented it with the story and the mixing of, I mean, who ever even thought of having a cocktail with moonshine in it? I just thought it was mountain people drinking it straight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yes. No, for, yeah, seriously, yeah, I wouldn't have I, I never, either. And that there's different qualities of moonshine, and that there's a sweet spot in the brewing process, and that's where you want to pull the good moonshine from. Who knew? I had no yeah, clue. No, definitely. So you know, going to those mixology classes, it really is. It's entertaining and it makes it fun, but you also you learn something. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it it's really it's fun, and then you meet people, and then I mean, it's a brewery. I mean, it's a distillery that's a couple of hours from my house. So it's somewhere where I can now go, and or if I see it in one of our local stores because we are in North Carolina, so we can we do some of the stores in the area do carry the products. So it's something that you know I can say, and I had that experience, and I can go there and when I buy it, I'm like, oh, I remember that. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I'm looking real quick just at the other offerings at the hotels in the interest of just being uh, complete with the information. The Grand Floridian is offering a. A, it's called Grand Floridian Brunch with a Twist at Citrico's. Um, that seems to be a one-day deal on October 6th, 170 a person. Five-course, five-star meal prepared by chefs at the Grand Floridian. So that's that's not terrible. Uh, and they're doing at the convention center. Oh, no, this is at the Contemporary. They're doing another culinary adventures with a master chef. So Chef Frank Bro or Brah. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, B-R-O-U-G-H. <laughs> uh, and there's multiple dates for that. That's 250 a person, so that seems to be a little more involved. That's a three-hour ordeal. And there's a Trader Sam's, uh, which is September 21st and 28th, and October 5th and 12th for two hours, $99. And then there are another – and these are all new. All four of these are new because it's at the resorts. Mm-hmm. And there's also one at the Yacht Club that only has three dates as well at the Yachtsman Steakhouse. Uh, it's a three-course lunch. Which so is in walking cool. distance of Epcot if you're, oh, yeah, you you're can, with exactly. the layout of the parks. And it seems they have a new workshop that you were talking about, Mel. It seems mm-hmm. like it's called Mix It, Make It, Celebrate It, Hands-On Workshops, and that's daily at 4 o'clock mm-hmm. in the Festival Center. So that's probably what you were... A couple of years ago, it, to was, be everything. Yeah. it was... You could specifically reserve which distillery or brewery or which mixology you chose to attend. Oh, I see. So I specifically oh, okay. reserved Roy and Sons because it was an Asheville distillery which would which made more sense for us to go it, it just happened to be that it was the last seminar of the festival which made the atmosphere much more festive so that that made it a little more special but I, gotcha. you could specifically select the type of mixology class it wasn't a general mixology it was very specific to the moonshine or you would go to a tequila one or you would go to a vodka one gotcha with whichever breweries or distilleries were on site for the festival so Okay, but I, yeah. I'm sure they'll probably have something similar to that. Although I like this, that they are branching out to the resorts. Genius. Yeah, I do so, too. Such I think a that's simple, fantastic. genius thought. Yeah, it's fantastic because it's they're small offerings. You know, they're they're right in the wheelhouse of any other special mm-hmm. hard oh, ticket type type event. I would think you know you, you know you're not going to get it for you know thirty five dollars. It's you're you're not paying anything. Um, but I think that what you would gain out of it, since they seem to be smaller, more intimate right. settings, as 
versus going into a like the huge festival center and they're doing it on a stage in front of however many you know couple it, hundreds it, of people. It's a special, you know, event, right? Yeah, it's cool. Which it's that's more in my wheelhouse. Not that I don't, don't like going except with a group for the of people, one at but... Victoria and Albert. Oh my goodness! Did you see yeah. that one? The ten course. I didn't. Ten course feast, which I am sure is divine. Well, that's normal, right? That's their but normal it's thing. Six hundred dollars per guest. Yeah, I know. Wow. And my cousin and his wife have done that, and they say it's worth it. I believe but it. You're. But you're there for hours. It's like four hours you're there because it's each course presented. The meet, right. the courses are courses are small. That's why there's so many yeah, of them. Very but by the time you're right, right. But by the time you're done, you're full because it's you know you're you're eating ten courses. It's like <laughs> so, it's akin to eating at the chef's table, but it's just a group where everybody basically has a chef's table. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of different luncheons and mm. beer luncheons and Mexican tequila lunch. There's a ton of different stuff, which I just never uh, – they've been doing all this stuff for years, I guess. But it's – I just never have – because we're usually there with a large group and with kids and everything. So the, the last thing we're doing is any of these special VIP things or premium experiences because we're usually doing the Halloween party if we're down there that time of year. So that's our – that's our big thing, not you know, not food and wine. So, I'm I'm excited to spend some alone time <laughs> with with the food and wine festival. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, I think now we'll move on to to our resident Disneyland expert, Miss Jessica. She's got a her latest blog about Disneyland and drinking around there and kind of how they do it. So going to turn it over to her and thank you so this the idea for this post came from my first visit to disney world which was last year and everybody kept telling me you have to drink your way around epcot you have to drink your way around the world and it just seems like i guess a really famous thing to do and when i came back to disneyland i mean we don't have an epcot so i was thinking there's got to be some sort of equivalent that we could do and um, California Adventure is kind of the solution. It's not a dry park, um, and it's actually kind of sectioned off. So the idea of the park is that you're visiting all the different regions of California. So you may not be able to drink your way around the world, but you can drink your way around California. So my post is just kind of a guide of all the different places that you can grab a drink um, in the different regions. So the regions are the Redwoods, the Vineyards, Boardwalk, um, Cannery Row, Route 66, and Hollywood. Um, so it's not quite the same thing as drinking your way around the world because we don't have, you know, separate pavilions or anything. But it is still kind of a fun way to have sort of like a laid-back approach and take in the scenery because even though California Adventure is known for having some of the biggest roller coasters and scariest rides at the resort – it's also arguably the more beautiful park because there's just as much scenery, there's mountain ranges, there's forests. I mean, there's just so much to see. So um, I guess, what? well, the first thing I'd like to ask you guys is, I mean, do you, have you tried drinking around the world and what's your strategy? Because I'm not sure that it necessarily translates the same way to California Adventure. So I just kind of like to hear what your experiences are. Well, <laughs> I've <Strategy>. never done. 
The strategy is you need to carry a loaf of bread in your pocket and <laughs> soak it all up. Um, no, well, you can either – there's two ways. I think there's lots of people that go into it and they start off too hard and before they get to America, they're done because they're soused, because they're trying to run through the place. I'm a more methodic drinker if I know I'm in the mood for putting a lot of them away or if for in this case trying a bunch of different stuff. So I've never actually done it. I've never actually gone around and gotten one from every pavilion and drank all of them only because most of the time we've been there with children and they don't want to just sit there for 15, 20 minutes while I sit there and sit on a bench and, and drink a beer or have a cocktail or some sort of slushy type thing. I will I will say, which I'm going to get for myself and for my wife for this time, there is a website, and it's I believe it's Adventures for fun, fun Addicts, and they do a thing called Drinking Around the World Passport. And it's a passport you can wear on a lanyard around your neck, and it has all the countries and a line. Now, when you get a beverage, whichever you would like, beer, some, a hard thing, wine, any of it all counts. Uh, either you write it down, and I believe the cast member puts a check or some sort of thing. It's not an official Disney thing, but it is kind of like a little cult type thing. So they sell these things and they're two ninety nine. You can get your name printed on the front of it. You wear it on your lanyard and you take a selfie with it and they post it up on their Twitter feed and everything else. But they have one for drinking around the world. They have one for snacking around the world. So you can get snacks. Uh, and this is just for any time of year, not during food and wine. And they also have one for the monorail bar crawl, which... It's pretty much self-explanatory. You jump on the monorail, hop, stop at all the exorts, resorts on the monorail line and grab a drink from one of the lounges and fill in your little card. So it's kind of like the passports they give you there for food and wine and flower and garden that you can get the stamp, but it's not an official Disney thing. So I plan on trying to do that. But I, it depends on who you talk to because I think there's groups of younger kids who think that they have to grab their drink and finish it before they exit the – Oh goodness! So called, so I'm serious. Like I think they—that's why none of nobody makes it around because you grab a beer in Mexico and you got to slug it down pretty quick before you get to the next pavilion, and then you grab something there, suck that down. I, I'm a slow, <laughs> I'm a slow, I'm a slow drinker. I'm not a oh, beer yeah. chugger. I never have been, so I I don't care. And I pirates, I don't follow the rules. So <laughs> you can lay them out before me as much as you can. <laughs> I'm gonna do it my own way. So I get to the other end in Canada and enjoy my lovely moose head and a bucket of popcorn and pretend I'm still listening to Off Kilter. <laughs> hey, man. So. Um, my, in, in, it's not so much of a strategy as it is my inner child coming out at Walt Disney World is that I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love a slushy. But you can only drink them so fast or you get brain freeze. So it is a built-in pacing mechanism. Ah. Yep. <laughs> and there you have it. My signature strategy for making it all the way around World Showcase in one piece. Well, and you can share too, right? Like Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I don't drink because I, I don't enjoy that. But my husband does. And so when we are... Going to, we have our whole snack around the world Epcot planned for this weekend. He wants to try to try a drink from around the world as well. Right. So food and drink, like it's going to be interesting. But 
you know, I'll, I'm positive that I'll try a sip or so just to kind of see. But if you <laughs> if you had a couple who enjoyed doing that together. Those slushies are sneaky, man. You don't taste what you're drinking. No. You, they're, they're, oh, mixed, they're, mixed, they're mixed very well. They really, really are. If it was Flower Garden, you're going to, I would say, definitely get a Lovian Rose from France. But the France Pavilion is kind of the one hiccup in the slow slushy strategy because there are so many good ones there. There's a bunch of different ones. Yeah. I, I wish they had like a slushy flight. Maybe next year, if anyone from Disney is listening, we need a slushy flight in France where you just have like a little shot of each. That would be cool. How be wonderful fun. would that be? <laughs> or you could just go with a bunch of girlfriends and you each get one and you like take a sip and pass it around. Pass around. <laughs> there you go. That works as well, but and that Mexico has a plethora of margaritas. So I, again, a small hiccup, but I'm I'm kind of a purist on my margaritas. Occasionally, I'll, I'll venture out into a strawberry margarita, but otherwise, I'm I'm good with the the pure. <laughs> so that that that's my strategy. Slushy, slow you down. <laughs> Slushy, slow you down. And you know what? A, a heavier beer will do the same thing because. You know, you get some of those heavier beers from Germany, mm-hmm. some of those dark ones, and I, I don't like them, so I don't drink them. But I gotta imagine those aren't ones that you that you chug down either. You know, I mean, if I wanted to, I could drink a light beer, Miller Lite, or something right. like that, it, fairly quickly, especially out of a glass instead of a bottle or or a plastic cup, whatever they're giving you. You know, pint glass. Those dark beers, those will those will stop you in your tracks too. Those those are heavy, just like a slushy would be. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, there's. I'd have to say that we did we did do this uh, three years ago with a group I took down there, and we actually had shirts printed up that had a schedule on the back, and oh and it's God. called the Ep Crawl. And yep. I had I had a schedule. I had a time. You were here. You were in Mexico from this time to this time, and you had to do that in order to get through everything. You didn't have time to really dilly-dally. We got to Canada just before o'clock and was able to order Crown Royals for everybody, and that was it. A Royal Crown. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So that was definitely an all-day. Uh, well, it depends on what time you start. but we started, I've seen those. started when it opened at 11 o'clock, and it was a struggle to get to Canada before they closed. Wow. Wow. Were we having multiple drinks in each no, place? Just one in each place, but, you know, people dilly-dally, so. Yeah, well, and with your large group, it's hard, yeah. Hey, so this is my question that we kind of talked about last week with the Norway Pavilion opening and there being breakfast items in Mexico and Norway now. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm assuming that the alcoholic drinks are still not open until 11. I would, that would be a so. safe guess. Yeah. Ten th- well, not the only mimosas in France. Those mm-hmm. flow pretty early. Yeah, but you probably can't get a beer with your or margarita nacho yeah. at, at Pro- nine o'clock in the morning. Not, or, but... but the caveat to that is, if you're looking for that at that early in the morning, you head into Sunshine Seasons because it's the self serve, get your drink things, and they got the plastic bottles of, you know, Miller Lite, Coors Light, oh my God, Shot Top, and a couple other things. So you know. So the timing thing, though, is helpful. I know this isn't the drinking around the world, but the snacking thing, like the fact that I can start in the World Showcase at 9 for breakfast helps me. That's perfect, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And back to California. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Jessica. (laughs) 
Yeah. No, no. It's like something shiny you threw at us and we ran. That's right. We ran away. No, we I didn't come it. back with a toy. We just went running. What I think is so interesting is that there's such a variety of drinks because in California Adventure, it's pretty heavy on wine and then there's a little bit of beer and mixed drinks, but almost every place just serves wine. There's one stand where you can get margaritas, but it's it's much more specific. So it's interesting to hear that there's so many different options in the world. And it makes sense because, you know, you're traveling the world, but it's just a different experience. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's kind of like that in Animal Kingdom as well. There's a fantastic beer selection in Animal Kingdom and as well as mixed drinks. And now with the Nomad Lounge opening over in Tiffin's, I've seen and heard great things about that place and the beers and stuff. But just even the little stands and carts walking through Animal Kingdom, they're kind of themed to the areas that they're in. You can get some different beers at in the different sections of the park. So it's cool, too. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, – I mean, I've never been to Disneyland, so I, I don't know anything about it. But I'm surprised they wouldn't have a, uh, a little more diverse. Well, section. It, but then, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I guess most people. I think the big draw. I, I'm guessing. Then again, cause like again, because I've never been there, and, and you'll know better than me. But I'm guessing the big draw for Disneyland, as far as drinks go, is if you're not getting into Club 33, it's Trader Sam's. Yeah. But there's a couple of places like there's this place called the Cove Bar, which I love that has a ton of mixed drinks and stuff. But if you're just going to like a stand or a quick service place, the odds are it's pretty much just beer and wine. Like it's a little bit harder to get all these mixed drinks. But yeah, I would say if you can't get into like Carthy Circle or or the big places, everybody goes to Trader Sam's. That's like the number one spot to go. It's like the Mecca. Yeah, I, I got to get to the original one day. Yeah, it's it's tiny, but it's really cool. It's really fun. Yeah, sounds like it. If there's nothing else that anybody has, uh, I believe we'll we'll wrap this one up. This was our 10th episode again, and like I stated at the beginning, we thank everybody who has been along since the beginning and those new people that have joined along the way and we thank you for listening we sincerely appreciate it this is something that the six of us when we're all together do enjoy doing we all have a a deep passion in our heart for for the disney parks and and cruise lines and and anything involved and anything involved right all the way out to the movies and some of us the television shows and those who have young kids the disney junior stuff and Everything in between. So for six of us to get together once a week and chat about it and hopefully give some insight and information as well as hopefully entertain you is is a great thrill for all of us. I know it definitely is for me, something I never thought I'd I'd be involved in, that it would just be something we, you know, you share with your family and and that's about it. So thank you, thank you for for coming along with us and we look forward to to keep going as long as we possibly can. <laughs> So at this stage of of the podcast, we always like to give our social media accounts out there for everybody to get in touch with us. So we will start with Melanie. I am the editor of DCLPrepSchool.com, and you can find me there. We are in our live preview. The site is in its launching phases. It's kind of a continuous. It's not like there's going to be one launch, but you can find me at DCL Prep School on Facebook. It's Facebook slash DCL Prep School on Twitter is also DCL Prep School, but on Instagram and Pinterest, it's DCL Prep. 
All right, cool. And I encourage everybody to go check that out. Please do. It's awesome. <laughs> Even if you have no intentions on going oh. on a cruise, just go and check it out because I I'm sure it'll it'll sway your mind. I have had to stop myself from booking a cruise several times during the website building process. <laughs> like I said, we are in preview phases, so all of our bells and whistles aren't necessarily active, but the content is growing. So come on over and you can email me at Melanie at DCL Prep School if you've got any suggestions, ideas, or helpful helpful things to share on the site. I love to hear them. And like I said, join the conversation over on Facebook. All right, cool. And Jessica? So you can find my blog at duchessofdisneyland.com. I'm on Twitter at Duchess Jessica. Facebook is um, Duchess of Disneyland. And then Instagram is the Duchess of Disneyland. All right, cool. Very good. And Jessica is also does a lot of our social media stuff. She posts pictures on Instagram through the Diz Explorers account and also on Facebook and Twitter. So She is amazing. I started out is, 10 weeks ago, and when I became the editor of DCL Prep, Jessica – I didn't, didn't even need to ask her. She just jumps right into being our social media team leader here, and she has done a phenomenal job. If you've not been over to DizExplorers.com, go. She, she has revamped the site. It is fantastic. Thank Absolutely. you. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> and we have uh, Milford. Yeah, you can find my Milford on the Move uh, blog at MilfordHutzel.com. I'm also on Twitter at Milford on Move and also on Facebook at Milford Hutzel. All right, very good. Adrian? All right, so my blog is at WDWBound.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at AdriWDWBound and on Twitter at WDWBound underscore com. Excellent. And our missing explorer this week is Crystal, and you can find her on Twitter at Disney Brewing. And as for me, RJ, you can follow me on Facebook at RJ Lucia Jr., and I am on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Periscope at BlackPearl454. As far as our site for the podcast, we are at thedizexplorers.com is our our main page and our Twitter is at the Diz Explorers as well as on Instagram as well. So go give us a follow there and we'll keep you updated on the podcast and the doings of all our troop. So with that, we're going to say goodbye and thank you, thank you again. And we will talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye.